I love doing dentistry. I do really enjoy the business side of dentistry too. Just gotten really good people in place in each of the offices so that I don't have to work too hard. You must listen. Welcome to the Drilling Millions Podcast. The Drilling Millions Podcast. Lessons from some of the most successful dentists on the planet. I want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich. Presented by Sage Dental Partners. Your practice transition team. That escalated quickly. Coming to you from Toronto. Podcasting to the world. Please welcome. Please welcome. Akil Chawla. Well, we have a treat for this episode. We're recording with Dr. Arun Narang. Uh, Dr. Narang is on his fourth practice. Uh, so some might call him a, a dentist entrepreneur, um, but still does a ton of work in the cosmetics uh, implant uh, and orthodontic space, even as a general dentist. He's just a really interesting person to speak to. He has a really great philosophy on work-life balance and how to make dentistry sustainable, um, as well as make it something that you enjoy. And it's something he certainly enjoys from our conversation. Um, this is a three-part series, um, so you're listening to one of three parts. Uh, the other three can be found on the channel. Uh, the Drilling Millions podcast. And we talk about things all across the board from cosmetic dentistry and is it all hype to managing your time as a multi-practice owner, what percentage of your time should you be spending on admin, your production, your costs. And we also talk about moving from more of the wet finger dentist space to being a more entrepreneurial dentist and the growing pains that are involved with that. So really fantastic episode. Dr. Narang's a phenomenal speaker. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. Dr. Narang, thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. So we'll start with the first topic that I really want to discuss with you, um, which we sort of discussed over dinner a couple of weeks ago, which was, you know, now that you, you know, have set up a couple of practices and, and, and you've seen them grow and they've all done really well, you're sort of moving from the more wet finger dentist to more of an entrepreneurial dentist. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about that transition. Yeah, so, I mean, I graduated in 1984. So I've been doing dentistry for about 38 years. Um, the first practice I associated for about two and a half years, really before I opened my first practice, which was in 87. That practice, we started it from scratch. You know, it started growing, started doing well, kind of renovated, you know, that practice and grew it from a, you know, from a four-op office to a seven-op office in 92 and, you know, did really well in that location and decided going back to, I think about 2002 was the first, the second office that we opened. About 10 years later, we opened a third office. I sold the uh, second office in 2017, and then we just opened, you know, the fourth office uh, just this month. It's sort of definitely like, I guess, with the opening of the second and or the third office and now the fourth. Yeah, I love doing dentistry still. I am a wet finger dentist. I'm not just an entrepreneurial dentist, but I do really enjoy the business side of dentistry, too. Um, so yeah, a little bit of wet finger dentistry still. I still, you know, work usually about six hours a day for about four or five days a week. And then, you know, the rest of the time, 
managing the practices, but, you know, I've kind of uh, just gotten really good people in place in each of the offices so that I don't have to work too hard or work too much on the other locations. Um, I've just got good people managing them. And then I oversee them, you know, maybe about half an hour, 45 minutes or an hour a day, um, just at the start of my day, or maybe towards the end of my day. And, and, and that's it. And that's the goal, right? Have it to be uh, self, self-sustaining. Yeah, especially like, I mean, there's the one practice that relies on me because I've been there for a long time, but I have, you know, three other associates working in that office, you know, uh, multiple hygienists working, a couple of uh, specialists working. But the other offices, the goal is for me to not be involved working in them or working just very little in them, maybe at the start, just to oversee it. Um, and I want th- those to be kind of more satellite offices that I manage, but that I don't have to be in labor uh, working harder to uh, run, run them. Right. So what are the indications that, you know, you're sort of ready to make that jump from the first office to the second, third and fourth office? Because I hear a lot of people in dental school or, you know, young aspiring uh, practice owners saying, you know, it seems so easy, just buy the practice and, and money's the issue. But you know, as you know, being in the in, in, in the space for so long, money's not always the issue, it's practice management, et cetera, et cetera. So how did you know that you were ready to make that jump? I knew I was, re- I mean, I tend to be on the cautious side. You know, I don't, you know, I mean, I probably will start, I may open another few offices and we may do it sooner than we did with the previous offices, but that's because I've been in dentistry for 38 years, you know? I really wouldn't advise anybody to you know get into that second office until they feel that first office is rock solid you know that it's doing really well because you know we we opened the first office and you know we started doing well with it I I mean obviously I had kind of started honing my skills as a dentist as an associate looking at the business model because that was kind of a, uh, a a practice that was in a mall with, you know, multiple dentists, four dentists working in it, multiple hygienists. So I was able to kind of like see the business model, how they were running the office to try to basically pattern my own office after that. And then once my own office started doing well, I know I opened the second office because I wanted to do more cosmetic dentistry. And I opened that office in, um, in Oakville, Ontario, I was practicing in Mississauga because the demographic was different. Um, There was more appreciation for aesthetics, more interest in aesthetics. And I opened that second office because I wanted to start doing more aesthetic dentistry. And I thought thought it would be kind of a good sort of uh, adjunct to the practice that I had because it allowed me to do more high-end dentistry and a different type of dentistry than what I was doing in my main location. And then the third office, when we opened it, it was just purely kind of, then it was becoming more of an entrepreneurial decision. Okay, yeah, this is a great location. I, I, I won't need to be here much. It'll run on itself as long as I can get good dentists in place. You know, surrounded a very dense part of Mississauga, very busy, you know, a lot of apartment buildings close to a, a major shopping mall. You know, 
so that that was kind of you know the decision to open that but you know there was there was 10 years there in between you know before i opened the second and the third so it's not like i was running out to do it and even the third the fourth office that we've opened now we did it 10 years later if i do open more offices i know it'll probably be an accelerated pace because i don't think i'm i don't know if i'll be around in 10 years practicing <laughs> at age 75 i'm 65 now um but yeah i still i i'm still enjoying what i do and i think i still want to open some more as long as you know the offices start doing well but my decision is i want that office to be doing well and in you know, in the block, making money <clears throat> before I make that decision to open another office. Yeah, well, you got the Peloton shirt on, so you're going to be around forever. So that's not a concern. <laughs> <laughs> so, so were there were there particular growing pains that were felt from offices one to two that you kind of learned from and iterated um, that weren't really felt with a third office? Like, what what were some of the big sort of growing pains that you felt initially? Oh yeah, there was there was definitely more growing pains from the first to the second office than really any of the others. You know, I, I found this fourth one's been the smoothest because again, you know, I've done it three times before, and I, you know, again, just the 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 location and you know, looking at factors before I opened the office. I think I'm in a better position now to judge where I'd want to be or what kind of location I'd like to have you know, have a better feel for it than I might have had when I opened that second office because that second office got opened in a uh, plastic surgery sort of surgery center kind of building where there was a plastic surgeon. But again, see, my objective at that time was I really wanted to start doing more aesthetic dentistry. Thus, I went into a building where there was a plastic surgeon, there was a dermatologist, there was a, a sort of a medispa, and there was a, a pharmacist, you know, and I was the cosmetic dentist in there. And, uh, but I had to actually pull myself away from my main practice uh, two full days a week, you know, and initially it was kind of like, I'd work half day at one office and I'd go running to the other office for the other half day. And then I, I would do a full day on the, on the uh, you know, on, on one, another day of the week, and then, you know, just, it was more schlepping. It was a little bit more running around. It was, you know, harder because I was trying to be the guy in my main clinic and be the guy in this aesthetic office. And it ran for years and it did really well with me just being there two days a week. Uh, later that half day became a full day. And then there was hygiene on other days, obviously that I wasn't there. And then I did add an associate, you know, another day or two a week, but primarily that practice relied a lot on me. And it worked great for years because it was giving me an opportunity to do a lot of cosmetic dentistry, placing implants, restoring implants, doing a lot of veneers, doing a lot of full mouth rehabilitations, you know, kind of the dentistry that I'd wanted to do. And I'm actually doing a lot more of that back in my main location now, uh, even though I didn't used to do as much of it, because that's the only place that I practice. And now I have a reputation. I've been practicing for 38 years. So people will come to me from all over and I get a chance to do that same type of dentistry where I am out of one spot instead of having to run around. So you mentioned the, the importance of the location and I can agree with you more. Um, what have you learned 
over the four practices about the importance of location? Well, I mean, again, it's just going to basically save you a lot of money in marketing if you know you have a lot of uh, a visible location, a good location, a, a readily accessible location, you know. So, I mean, where we were in Oakville, being in this building, it was really like an industry. It's sort of like uh, all uh, commercial, you know, commercial, but industrial commercial along Cornwall Road where my office was. And I was hidden at the back of the building. And I had a sign at the front, you know, a pylon sign and a sign on the building also that there was, you know, uh, Oakville Dental Arts and a cosmetic dentist in the building. But it was a lot of word of mouth. It was a lot of advertising that I did in the local paper. You know, I, and, it, it just was a, a not the kind of location that I would now select for another, a secondary office, but it's kind of, you know, you learn the hard way sometimes, you know, third location, much better location surrounded by a lot of condominiums and, you know, uh, a lot of people who can walk by again, it's at a retail level, it's on the ground floor of an apartment building surrounded by many, many other apartment buildings. And the downtown location also that we opened kind of in, in Toronto now, uh, extremely dense, a lot of apartment buildings, a lot of people uh, kind of walking by. So yes, we will do some adverts and we'll do some, you know, um, uh, you know, some, some marketing kind of on the internet. Um, but um, there's a lot of people that are going to walk by the office and notice it. And it's a great location. So at this point, you know, for deep, you probably have a, a setup protocol almost, right? So you probably know, you know, when, when I, you know, acquire the location, these are the, the subsequent steps I need to take in order to get the setup. What's at the very top of that list after getting the location? So, I mean, obviously getting the location, you know, kind of getting a lease in place, um, you know, uh, obviously getting your financing in place, right? Uh, even before signing the lease, you want to probably make sure that you've got the financing in place you know, for, for your location. So obviously, you know, even before we signed, I, ma I made sure that all of our financing was in place, which it was. Um, and then, you know, once the lease is done, then really getting, you know, getting whoever you're working with. Um, we worked with Henry Schein Arcona here, um, you know, who I've been dealing with for many years. So we dealt with them. They did the initial drawings, you know, hired an engineer, you know, to basically get all the, get all the drawings done and get, getting them submitted and getting them approved. And then obviously hiring a good contractor, you know, getting some bids on, on the location and, or, you know, getting a good contractor who's going to be able to, you know, deliver the premises to you in a timely manner. You know, we had set a goal to be able to have our office completed in six months. And then we wound up opening, I think about a month late, which was acceptable to me because it was hard right now, you know, with having gone through COVID and supply chain issues and, things being more expensive and also just trying to coordinate all the trades and working with city of Toronto, 
you know, to run over by um, four weeks was really pretty acceptable. I was happy with that. And then basically, you know, I just had a good team of people. Like once, you know, the contractor was in place and, you know, we had decided on all of our finishes and we kept doing some of the work as we went along. Um, We, I just had really good people at my main clinic um, who've been with me for more than 30 years. Um, Four people in particular, the office manager, you know, uh, the person who does all of my accounts payable and manages all of our books in, in, in the office and does all of the accounting in the office, my restorative hygienist and my lead assistant, all kind of combined to really make my life easier. They, they ordered everything that we needed to really manage the practice or run the practice. And, you know, between uh, them and my computer IT guy and our people at Henry Schein, who were, you know, getting us all the equipment and everything that we needed. Um, it just uh, was, you know, sounds like sometimes it's onerous, but it just becomes more manageable because you've been through it a few times and you have good people helping you. So when you have existing practices and you want to set up a new one, is it best to bring staff from the existing running practices and put them in the new practice? Or is it more of a, you have them train the new staff there? What, what's the balance of how to organize the staffing? So, you know, our goal was, um, so the way it worked for Bentway, which we just opened, obviously I needed an, a receptionist. Uh, a full-time office manager slash slash receptionist, somebody who would be kind of a cut above just being a receptionist because, hey, she's going to be your face of the practice. Somebody, and for me, the really key thing is getting somebody who's really friendly, getting somebody who's got really uh, good social skills, somebody who's good on the phone and who's welcoming, you know? So, that was my goal. I started looking, you know, probably about two or three months before we were going to open and then found that person and hired her probably at least a good month to six weeks before we were going to open the office. And then she came to my main clinic and she trained and she even went to the second clinic near square one and she trained there under, you know, uh, the office manager there under the office manager at my main office and just kind of learning the ropes because the software we're using in both offices is in all three offices is the same, you know, and then obviously we're, we're training her to kind of uh, manage the front desk in the similar style to what my other receptionists would be doing at the other clinics. So she got a chance to work with the other girls and probably felt much more comfortable, you know, from day one going into that practice having that kind of behind her, that training behind her. Training is so important, you know? And then the same thing with our lead assistant, you know, we hired a lead assistant who was flexible, who was willing to work a little bit more and also wanted to do front desk. So, you know, that way we'd have her doing assisting and some front desk. And uh, so she was also trained in my main office, came and worked with the other assistants, learned how we do things, you know, all of the, the regulations and rules these days with sterilization and protocols and, you know, making sure that everything gets done the proper way. And then the dentist also who I hired uh, was a new grad. Uh, she had graduated from uh, NYC and then done a residency at NYC and 
And then she was, she came and shadowed me for a couple of weeks and watched me working in the main clinic where, I mean, we're always busy and doing so many different things. So I wanted to, her to see how I do a new patient exam, you know, how I do a consultation, how I talk to patients, how I do my, you know, because some of my cosmetic dentistry and my crown preps or my veneer preps. So she had an opportunity to sort of observe me, watch me, learn from me, you know, and then, you know, basically get into the practice uh, and start doing some of the, the, the dentistry herself and working. She's the main dentist really there. I'm there really just, I just go there for from about four to six or five to seven uh, once a week on the Thursday, <clears throat> just to see, you know, consultations for TMD, somebody who's interested in Invisalign, somebody who's interested in cosmetic dentistry, somebody who's interested in implants, you know, some of the most more advanced procedures that maybe she may not feel comfortable with. So she can do, you know, the, the examinations and even some of the hygiene, uh, you know, because our hygiene program is just sort of starting up. And, and also, you know, anything that's kind of out of her league, I can, I can sort of go in and help with. Um, and then otherwise, she's going to run with it. And, I'm, and she's going to grow with the practice. And she's going to learn, um, you know, as she's doing more and more advanced work in the clinic. And on the hygiene side, like, you know, we, we have a couple of our hygienists from our, the other two clinics that, you know, wanted to work in the downtown location. They both live downtown. So there uh, we've started off with kind of Wednesdays and Fridays and Saturdays. And those are the three main hygiene days right now. And as the practice grows, we're going to add the other days until we have a full rounded hygiene schedule. We were able to hire a couple of hygienists that were already working with us to do hygiene in the new clinic. And again, they already know my expectations and what I want them to do and uh, how I want them to work. Like what you heard? Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen and follow Drilling Millions on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube for exclusive clips. 